The Athletic. Totally Football Show, European edition today. Spain, big week for Bilbao and people who think Dos Acero is a dangerous scoreline. France, does Messi buy his own baguette? Netherlands, PSV Ajax in De Topper. Italy, meet the Spezia ones. And is Balotelli back? Plus, you won't believe who's in our hot transfer talk. It's the Totally Football Show, in association with Paddy Power. That's right, uh, listener, dear, dear listener, lovely to have you with us again. Uh, we're currently recording this Monday, kind of late-ish, Monday 24th of January. Hope it finds you well. Uh, we've got James Horncastle here, Julian Laurence as well, Alvaro Romeos on board. Hello. Hi, guys. Got Jordi Amali who's on the way a little bit later on to tell us about the Eredivisie. Boom, so much to talk about. Big games all over the continent. And, of course, that hot transfer talk. My word, woof. Does anyone actually have any uh, at all? <laughs> wow. we can find so it. hot, this podcast will come with a parental warning. Woof. All Ooh. right. Well, there's not long to go in that transfer window. And you won't believe the moves that some of these clubs have got in store. Craziness, craziness. Uh, but let's begin <laughs> with some moments of the weekend. In association with Paddy Power, Alvaro, boom, you're on. Well, two moments of the week for me. What? One of them is uh, Francisco Gento being honored <laughs> at Santiago Bernabeu. And, yeah, that was nice. Yeah, that was very nice. And mm. uh, let's not forget that no one has ever won so many uh, European Cups. So, you know, it was a beautiful tribute to mm. Francisco Gento, the former La Galerna del Cantabrico, as they call him. And the second one, it's a different one. And it happened in women's football in the Super Cup final between Atlético de Madrid and Barcelona. A player from Atletico, Virginia Torrecilla, who suffered from a brain tumor, came onto the pitch after years fighting uh, with the disease. And uh, even Barcelona players went uh, after the game to her just to salute her and uh, just to celebrate that he was back in football. Alvaro, those are lovely moments of the weekend. Jules, what have you got? I've got the uh, Derby du Rhône, the Rhône Derby, the 124th Rhône Derby between Lyon and Saint-Étienne on Friday night. And mm. it was one of the worst in history. It was really, 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 really bad. The fact as well that there was no fans, <laughs> hardly not any fans. And Lyon won 1-0, but it was really one to forget, which is a real shame, but it's, it's one really bad team, Saint-Étienne. Okay. One team with a lot of good players, Lyon, but a bad manager, Peter Bosch. Yeah. And that's, where we, that's how we got here. Okay. Thank was, you very much. No, not at all. It was the highest scoring weekend of the season in uh, in Liga. 35 goals. Yeah. All right. We'll hear about some of those highlights later on. But uh, James Horncastle, what stood out for you? This the pitch weekend? at San Siro. The pitch at San Siro. Well, Jules was just saying that the W de Rhon was uh, a terrible game. Um, well, so was, so was Juventus Milan. Uh, Sub-Zero uh, was, was one of the headlines in the Italian papers today. Um, so that's not my moment of the week. Absolutely not. Um, I'm trying to think which is, though. Um, hmm. Hmm. Lorenzo Insigne pointing to his Insigne of the club that he's uh, busy walking out on. Yeah, uh, shouting down the camera, I love you. I will always love you. His Whitney Houston impression um, before he uh, bids them farewell to go to Toronto in the summer. Um, so a real great show of love from Lorenzo there. I should mention that he just scored a penalty 
in a 4-1 win over Salernitana, which had moved him level with Diego Armando Maradona in the all-time Napoli scoring charts. Although, I always have a bit of an issue when they say this person's gone past Maradona in the scoring charts or gone level with him. He didn't play there that long. That's not what, you know, his goal-scoring tally at, at Napoli wasn't the important thing in a, in a sense. But in any way, anyway, um, yeah. Was there something else for your moments of the weekend? I suppose uh, Thomas Henry, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> nice who has now scored more goals than Thierry Henry yeah. in Syria. And Amandine Henry. Um, yeah. <laughs> all the Henrys, almost. All Maybe. <laughs> all right. Well, how are we going to fit all of that into one bumper totally show? I don't know. But I can't wait to hear more about those stories. Let's begin in sunny Spain. The Totally Football Show European Edition's Moment of the Weekend. Brought to you by Paddy Power. If one leg of your 4 plus fold acker lets you down, get a free bet on all football leagues and all markets. Max free bet £10, minimum odds 1 to 5 per leg. Online exclusive, no shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18 plus, be gambler aware. Palacio le da salida. La pone Vini. Juan Molón arriba militar. Y gol, 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 gol. Y gol. Que brinco ha pegado. El segundo. Es el empate. Marca el Madrid, marca Militao. Alvaro, a remarkable weekend in La Liga in which Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid and Sevilla all went two goals down and all three of them fought back. My word, most dramatic was Real Madrid 2-0 down at home to Elche with just eight minutes left and they pulled it back. How did they do it, Alvaro? I knew that it was going to happen because Real Madrid mm. always has an extra gear. And uh, Elche did a very good game at uh, Santiago Bernabeu this time. Uh, I think that uh, with the new manager, Elche, they are finding ways of attacking that they didn't have under uh, Almiron. But Jaime is doing quite well. And uh, the goals of Elche were quite beautiful as well. I think that they didn't dominate Real Madrid at all. Not at all. That would be lying because Real Madrid had chances in the first half. Even Karim Benzema missed the penalty. Karim Benzema was playing very well anyway, despite missing the penalty, and he had to leave the pitch injured, which is bad news for Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. But Elche, uh, strangely, was the team that capitalized more at Santiago Bernabeu, something that doesn't happen normally. Uh, the first goal by Boye was beautiful after a great cross, and he hit the ball very well to beat Thibaut Courtois. Elche scored the second goal. There were 20 minutes remaining, and Real Madrid managed to come back. Uh, it was thanks to some sort of epic that Real Madrid always put in place at Santiago Bernabeu but also I think that the quality of Real Madrid strikers and players finally impose itself a little bit. For example, in the in the goal of Feder Militao, I think that Vinicius sent a fantastic cross mm-hmm. uh, from the from the left. And yes, Real Madrid got a point. I think that uh, they wouldn't be uh, too worried about this, or they shouldn't be too worried about this, sorry, because I think that uh, still the teams that are chasing them, they are not particularly convincing. As you said before, Sevilla didn't manage to win either. Uh, despite being losing 2-0, they only managed to get a draw. And uh, yeah, it was a warning for Real Madrid that if they slack off a little bit, or if they don't bring the best of themselves, they can have big, prob- big problems. And it's also a warning of what Real Madrid is about these days. It's about the big days and the big moments, and uh, you just have to see their list of games in La Liga. And uh, they have lost this season three games. They lost against Sheriff, against Getafe, against Espanyol, and they have drawn five games, and they haven't drawn any high-profile game. They have Mm. drawn against Elche, Cádiz, Osasuna, Levante, and Villarreal, which is kind of a high-profile game, but uh, Villarreal was doing very bad at the beginning of the season. But when it comes to playing against the top four, when it comes to knockout stages like uh, the Champions League, the Super Cup, the Spanish Cup... 
Real Madrid is doing the job and they have beaten even the Italian champion twice this season. So that tells mm. you that this Real Madrid is very good, but at the same time, when you know the game doesn't uh, apparently on paper present a big challenge, maybe they switch off a little bit. Perhaps so. We'll be hearing very shortly, however, about who they're going to be facing in their next uh, cup uh, knockout game. <laughs> but, but in the meantime, as you say, even though they drop points, their lead remains unchanged at four points because Sevilla, who are in second place, also went 2-0 down, but also managed to come back at home to Celta Vigo to rescue a point there. Atletico Madrid also went 2-0 down. Truly is the most dangerous scoreline at 2-0. <laughs> this was at home to Valencia. They came back to win. Extraordinary. They essentially did a, a Spurs at Leicester on Valencia. Yeah, uh, I think that what the Spurs did at Leicester was even more impressive because they did it uh, within less time and Atletico de Madrid well, used a little bit more time for that. I'm not too sure. Anyway, uh, I think that it was still very impressive. And uh, the first half of Atletico de Madrid was terrible, terrible, to the point that uh, you, know, uh, you went into social media and uh, for the first time uh, you could feel that there was like a, a proper um, anger with Simeone, with something that we haven't seen in the last 10 years. The truth is that Atletico defensively was as bad as usual in the first half. Then in attack, they didn't offer anything. Even in the second half, some attackers like Luis Suarez, they uh, showed that they were too sloppy. But in the first half, Valencia uh, was better than Atletico de Madrid. And uh, you got the goals from Musa and Hugo Duro, two young players that I think that they are going to be important in La Liga football. And in the second half, I think that the combination of things happened. Uh, to start with, uh, Valencia has a short squad, many young players, and uh, also Alderete picked an injury. The goalkeeper, uh, Jauma Domenech, didn't help either with a couple of mistakes. And Atletico managed to come back because... You know, they started pressing, they started just producing chances, not too many chances, but enough to uh, send Valencia down uh, in defense. And mm -hmm. uh, Cunha scored the first goal, Correa scored next to the, or close to the 90th minute, and then, well, Hermoso's goal, uh, the 3-2, was probably the goal that Atletico de Madrid needed more, because in the last two months, Atletico has been dreadful. So, this is a victory that probably doesn't mean a turning point for Atletico de Madrid, because uh, emotionally this it's a very important win for them, but many mistakes and repeated themselves uh, at Wanda Metropolitano, but well, puts them in the right place to keep on mm. fighting for the Champions League spot. Although uh, they're going to be visiting Barcelona after the international break. Barcelona, who won 1-0 at Alaves, uh, Frankie de Jong with the goal. They're set up by Ferran Torres and Barcelona with a win there will move past Atletico Madrid and take their Champions League spot for the moment. Uh, now, Mention Cup football because let's move on to the Copa del Rey, which took place uh, midweek, the, the latest round of action there. And it saw Barcelona defeated by their old friends, Athletic Club de Bilbao. <laughs> Crikey, what a game this was, Alvaro. It was lovely. It was uh, probably the best ever performance by Iker Muniain. What uh, we expected in Bilbao that Muniain could become... Uh, crystallized all that against Barcelona the other day because when he was playing for the academy he was 16 years old he was a ball carrier he was somebody who never lost the ball who was capable of dribbling past players no matter how tall how stronger than him they were and he did all this against Barcelona and um, 
the communion, the synergy between uh, La Catedral and Athletic Club Bilbao, the team, was amazing on a Thursday evening. And I think that it was a well-deserved win in the extra time. And Athletic beat Barcelona, as you said. That was um, a very big disappointment for Barcelona because at the end of the day, they are the defending champions or they were the defending champions in the competition. Mm. And Athletic went through. They will play against Real Madrid in the next round. Right. And um, for Barcelona, this game against Alaves was important because uh, it came at the back of two defeats, one against Real Madrid in the Super Cup, another one against Athletic Club Bilbao at San Mamés, high-profile games in a Spanish context, and they needed to beat Alaves. They didn't do a good job. They didn't do a good job at all. Uh, I think that the first half that Barcelona played against um, against Alaves is one of the worst I've seen from Barcelona, even worse at Kuman levels sometimes. But yeah, they managed to win thanks to Frankie de Jong after the Dutchman just, uh, you know, uh, capitalized on an assist by Ferran Torres, who maybe he's not playing too well now at Barcelona, he's just arrived, but he's producing the numbers as he has done for the Spanish national teams. He has right. given one assist, he has scored one goal, and yeah, Barcelona got three very important points. Okay, he also scored in the uh, three-two defeat by Athletic in, in on Thursday night in the Copa del Rey. But what an opening goal by Ike Munien, uh there! As you say, uh, Athletic now will face a Real Madrid. It's quarterfinals, isn't it? Next so, in the quarterfinals, yeah, yeah. which is going to be huge because, of course, it was Real who beat Athletic in the Super Cup final away there in <coughs> Saudi Arabia uh, last time out. And if if Athletic can get past that, if they can get their revenge on Carlo Ancelotti's side, they could be facing an all-Basque semi-final. And not another all-Basque affair, because uh, Real Sociedad are up against Betis on the other side of the draw. Crikey. What what a week. Athletic have played Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid and Barcelona when they beat two of them. It's pretty good going, isn't it? It's good. I think that... Uh... You know, the fact that uh, we have lost uh, many finals over the last years just uh, blurs uh, our judgment a little bit in Bilbao. The fact that we are reaching those finals is a good thing. The fact that uh, we are fighting against uh, the best teams uh, in La Liga and in the Cup and uh, always putting a good fight uh, tells you that uh, this club is in the right direction. Then mm. the new youngsters, I think that they are going to establish themselves in the team. Uh, Nico Serrano, for example, one of the youngsters that I like the most, uh, he mm-hmm. scored against Rayo Vallecano this weekend and uh, Athletic got the winner thanks to, thanks to him. But the most important thing, more even than the results or the numbers, is to recover that um, absolute... Uh, joint spirit with the with the stunts. I think that in the beginning of the season, uh, for the last six or seven months, Athletic Club Bilbao has been playing in a very blunt way, just mm. uh, producing great defensive numbers, but not uh, being able to exude any entertaining football. And I think that, uh, generally speaking, uh, the season had been a little bit low-key. And this win against Barcelona, I think that this launching the season up again in the sense that there is a new emotion uh, there is a new belief that this team can uh, beat Real Madrid why not it's not gonna be easy but if Real Madrid doesn't have Vinicius and Benzema available for this game which is a possibility well Mm. it will be easier obviously and yes I believe that overall it's been good for Athletic Club Bilbao to beat a team like Barcelona in such a quality game because that also sends out a, a message to the players I mean we can play and we can win playing nicely, which is something that Athletic Club Bilbao didn't believe at the beginning of the season. That's why they were so defensive. All right, Alvaro. Let's have some red-hot transfer talk, which may or may not include Usman Dembele. I don't know. It's your transfer talk. Go for it. 
Yeah, I think the Dembele, the Dembele thing is the most important thing here, and uh, probably Jules will have an opinion about it as well. Uh, on Thursday, the Dembele case just uh, became one of the hot uh, things in, in Spanish media because uh, Barcelona's sporting director, Mateo Alemani, um, came out publicly uh, into the media and he said that uh, Barcelona had done a number of offers for Dembélé, that the offers had been rejected by the player and his agents, and uh, Mateo Alemani said that Barcelona understands Mateo Alemani! That... <laughs> Mani! <laughs> Mateo Alemani has money uh, to, to save. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, basically... He said that Barcelona understands that the player doesn't want to continue playing for Barcelona and that the, the club understands that the player doesn't show any commitment. Right. Uh, and Barcelona has told the agent that Dembélé has to leave the club immediately. Immediately, and, uh, get out. Yeah, and on Sunday, in fact, Dembélé was not in the match day squad as a consequence of this. Right. Why is nobody in, interested in Dembélé? Any, any interest, any potential suitors for him? I, th I think the biggest thing is it's not his interest to leave now anyway. Even if even if Barca said we we finish your contract and you're free and you can go wherever you want, it's not in his interest now. It's much better to wait until the summer, and then he will have more offers, more time to decide. He will be able to do whatever he wants, which is which would not be the same now. I, I don't think clubs right now are ready to 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 move on for such a for such a big contract in the sense that. It, there, there will be a lot to talk about wages, commissions, signing on fees, etc. So mm. for him, and, and I think there may be a belief in his camp that Barca can talk the way they want. He's already trained again with the first team. He had, so he says, like a stomach bug. That's why he was not involved in the, in the weekend or certainly didn't go training the day before the game. And they, they, I think they, they, they can potentially see him playing again before the end of the season. And certainly, I think there's more meetings planned between Alemani and Musa Sissoko, his agent. So there's also a way maybe where this can all be resolved, even if now it looks impossible. I would not be surprised if eventually, maybe he would certainly play again for them before the end of the season and then maybe even find an agreement to stay for longer. I think that uh, in football sometimes we we take as granted some things that happen that uh, if you extrapolate them to the work environment of an office or a normal company, they wouldn't make any sense. For example, why Dembele suddenly is a castaway? He's ostracized from January 2022 if he signed until June 2022. We know that his contract is running out, the club wants to sign him, but when Dembele signed, he signed until June 2022, not until January 2022, and this applies for every other player. There is like Six months before the contract runs out, uh, mm -hmm. basically the clubs are acting punishing them. And I think that uh, this is something that we take as granted in football. It happens in football, but it's not logical if you compare it with some other, you know, uh, company environments. Mm. All right. Fair point, Alvaro. Next up, we're off to France. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Alright, Jules, highest scoring match here, the Ligue 1 season so far. 35 goals. Oof. Four of them came from filthy old PSG. Four as well from Bordeaux. 
Bordeaux, who a week ago, listen, you're right, were losing 6-0 to Rennes. But now, 4-3 winners against Strasbourg. Crikey, that's yeah. quite a turn around, Jules. It is high flyer Strasbourg as well. Fourth in mm. the table, second best attack in the league, who still scored three. But really, when we didn't expect Bordeaux to be able to pull out this kind of performance, they only had three midfielders available because they've got loads of injuries. They've got players, as we mentioned last week, they've they've kicked out from the, the first team squad, like, like Kosciani or Otavio. And yet, Wong, who is maybe, with, with Adli, their most talented player, uh, Comes out with a hat-trick, uh, some pretty good goals as well. They were 3-0 up, then it would 3-2 well, up. Uh, and then when we, th- when we thought, okay, Strasbourg going to come back and, and win this because it's Bordeaux, then they still managed to win 4-3. So pretty incredible for them. Uh, still doesn't mean that Petkovic is going to stay for much longer. Uh, he's still very much about to get sacked uh, every single day. But at least that win is a huge like breath of fresh air for them because they were so low and things were so bad that at least a win is is something a bit positive. You know, Well, it's something very positive in, in their case. Mention that Paris Saint-Germain also scored four. That was against Rance. Two goals from Marco Verratti, which keeps front page this morning, is Marco van Basten, of course, uh, which, which I absolutely love. That was the headline, Marco van Basten. <laughs> yeah. I think he's genius. I absolutely love it. I mean, before Sunday night, Marco Verratti has only scored nine goals in 364 games for PSG. And now he scored two. He'd never scored two in the same game. Right. So, yeah, the front page of l'équipe is, it was Marco Van Basten underneath. Right. Van Basten, famously the only other player to have scored two goals in a game before. So, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, but comparison. at least, you know, Marco, Marco, you know, it's great. Right. And Sergio Ramos yeah, scored finally. his first goal for the club as well. Finally, he scored Sergio Ramos. From right. Real Madrid. If I was Sergio Ramos, I just scored my first goal for Paris Saint Germain. I'd be upset that I didn't get the the uh, coupe. What, what could it be, Sergio? Sergio? It was Sergio Aguero. Sergio Aguero. Aguero. Yeah, that yeah. would have been the headline. Yeah. yeah, not bad. Yeah. Still not as good as Marco <laughs> Van Basten. Uh, uh, Jules, um, does this make you change your mind about Pochettino now? Because I mean, if you can make Marco Verratti score two goals True. in a single game, surely he's some kind of genius, no? Well, maybe, maybe. I mean, the first shot, the second, the second goal. I, I, I don't think I've still been decided if it was him because there's a double, double deflection on the the strike. The first one is definitely Marcos. I thought the Sunday night game against France, especially once PSG were well in control, and to be fair, it was never in doubt that they would win and quite heavily. Although the first half was decent from a very young Reims team with a lot of really, really young, uh, young players, young talented players. Play the kids, Poch. Come on. We've got really talented kids in the under-19 teams. We Paris, born and bred. Some of them are, like Edouard Michoud. Some others, like Charlie Simmons, not so much. But still, they, they count. Why not playing them? You keep playing like Herrera and Danilo and all Draxler. All that, those rubbish players, that nonsense. Where my, 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 you know, Titi Parisien, the young Parisian boys, are there waiting on the bench. Come on. Right. Paris Saint-Germain have just won 4-0 on Sunday night, but Jules is still having a rant about Pochettino. Sorry, yeah. Alvaro. Oh, Messi came back as well. Yeah, it was about time, man. Yeah. How was it? Yeah. 24th of January, man. What do you expect? Like, how long did his holidays last? You know, the last time I think he plays was 12th of December. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. We, as we know, he had COVID partying in Argentina, and right. now he's back. Um, we, we've had, the, the club has been briefing a little bit on, on how... Messi is in, in real life in Paris, really, really mm. simple guy, very um, respectful and, and happy and jovial and 
all of that, saying hello to everybody when he arrives at the training ground in the morning, nice. uh, not going out too much in his uh, in his neighborhoods, you know, in his area codes in uh, Neuilly sur Seine. That's where he lives. That's where they're renting the the huge house that they have no swimming pool, unlike the one he has in Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Not a big garden either, and not mm-hmm. you know in Barcelona in his garden he's got like a like a beach with a with a football goals where he can Castel de Fels, yeah, yeah, Castel de Fels. Not so we much. We Barcelona Paris. is a much nicer place than Paris. It's not it's a much nicer you know, place. To you, live. you know, you're lying. It's not. <laughs> so when the club are briefing like this, how do they do it? Do they kind of reach out? Do they send you a, a as a kind of favoured as a as a journalist influencer? Do they do they kind of reach out and say, why don't you write something like? <laughs> no, no, because this this is the kind of no. stuff that we've been you know we wanted to write. We've been asking. Uh, right. Not just me, but l'équipe, le Parisien newspaper as well. I think it's something mm. that people. People like, where does he live? What does he do? Where does he eat? Where do they go out? You know, the kids are playing for the... Does he have a swimming pool? Does he have a swimming pool? You know, where is the dog? The dog's there, but it's a smaller garden for the dog. You know, he's got a huge dog. Uh, it's a smaller garden. He doesn't go and buy his... <laughs> doesn't go and buy his, his, uh, his baguette at the boulangerie. No piscine. So, you know, all of that. Things, is, it matters, I think, you know. All right. Do you know who's had the most shots... Uh, so far this who's attempted the most shots so far this season at Paris Saint-Germain I would say a bit of a hint in the man we've just been talking about it's Leo Messi Messi. he's scored one goal one goal I know which means that Marco the big joke is that Marco Verratti has now scored more goals than Lionel Messi in the season which is crazy when you think about it he does other things though he does other things he doesn't go and get his own baguette so what does he do yeah. Yeah. He, stays, he stays at home a lot. Uh, is he is he being criticised, Jules? Like, for example, no. Cristiano, like at United, over mm. the last few weeks has been criticised for, you know, holding back the team, acting petulantly when he's been substituted. Um, United aren't in title contention. People thought they might be because they signed him. Obviously, PSG are top of the table um, and will reclaim the title after losing it last year. But... Is there, has there been any criticism of Messi's performances, his not, goal record? Not so much. M- mostly because in the Champions League, as as you all know, because of the goal show, he's doing great, much better. Uh, there's, a, there's a few, he should have had more goals. I mean, he hit the crossbar four or five times, or the woodwork four or five times already. There's a few, I think his expected assist is much, much higher than the ones that he's had because... When you pass the ball to Danilo and Herrera and Draxler, what do you expect? So the thing that the thing that the French have been doing quite well, I think, is like instead of just criticizing him, they go like, oh yeah, you know, the first he used to be so quick on the first five yards, especially and especially just after a dribble, not not so much. I mean, he's 34 and you could you could see he's not as quick as he used to be. So it was just like it's little hints to say like, listen, he's not the Messi of. Ten years ago, in, in the greatest team ever, a club le- club a club level certainly, and and again, especially with the manager that he has now and the the, the teammates around him, but he's still Messi, and we obviously love him and and all of that, you know. Yeah, it re- sort of reminds me of Cristiano in Italy, where on the one hand, uh, before people criticised, it was we should be so grateful that a player like Cristiano is playing in Serie A. This is this is just amazing. Whatever he does. It's fine, okay? And then uh, when he didn't score goals, it was like, see? City A is hard. It <laughs> yeah, is competitive. It's exactly so. the same. And now, because Messi's people are saying, oh, it's really physical. It's more physical than we thought it would be. So now we're saying, you see, look, Liga is tough, man. It's tough. You know, best league in the world by far. And the, some games go overlooked. For example, against Lorient, he was fantastic before Christmas. Do you remember, Jules? 
I think that yeah, he was playing better with pushing you a bit for Feliz Navidad, but you know, he was he was good. I <laughs> think there are good. a lot of games that he was yeah. he was really good, but because there was no goals and assists, yeah. I think maybe people, you know, were, were a bit judging him a bit too harsh, maybe. But I, right. I think he's had. You could see, of course, he's not the same player than ten years ago, and again, it's not the same team around him. But when him and Kylian link up, they, there's been great moments. To be fair, mm. and when he's been on the pitch. All right, so you did get the memo from uh, PSG then, good. Excellent. Always, you know, right. family. <laughs> uh, OK, excellent. Oh, have you got any uh, hot transfer talk for us, Jules? I've got a really, really hot super one. Uh, yes. Renildo, the Lille left back that no one knows apart from his mum and dad, is going to sign for Atletico Madrid. Uh, right. They were hoping to get him in now. Right. Lille are not so keen, so he will go at the end of the season as a free, as, on a free transfer as a free agent uh, to Atleti, which I think is a, re- is a really good... Left back, young and hardworking. He will learn a lot with Simone. He's quite tough as well. He's good on the ball. I think it's a really, really good pick from Atletico, I have to say. Okay. Atletico Madrid, who've recently lost an attacking fullback in the shape of Kieran Trippier. They haven't had a very convincing left back since Felipe Luis, I would say. Okay. Really. Renan Lodi hasn't uh, reached the expectations. Okay. What about this Jesse Lingard to Nice story, Jules? The thing about Nice is that they, they want a white player. And maybe Lingard, because of their British ownership and all of that, mm-hmm. uh, it's not really the type of guy they usually go for. They mm-hmm. go much younger. They've got a, a much younger policy. Someone like Brian Hill, for example, at Spurs, who doesn't play much. We saw him only getting a few minutes at the end of the Chelsea game on Sunday. As someone that they already had identified before when he was in Spain, uh, at Sevilla, on loan, obviously, uh, Ajetafe was Alvaro, wasn't it? Uh, but now that he's not playing... Brian Hill. Yeah. Eibar, Eibar. Eibar. Uh, I think Nice is like saying, hey, you know what? If he wants to play a bit, we would happily have him. Uh, and I think it would, it would be great in France, to be fair. Uh-huh. So it's, I think it's more some, someone like that in that kind of profile than a Jesse Lingard. But again, maybe Jesse is a, is a possibility as well. Okay. Excellent. Uh, next up, we'll check out on the Bundesliga and then across the border to the Eredivisie. We all enjoy the sport we call the beautiful game. But since I've retired, I've discovered an ugly, even darker side to the sport we love. Join me as Jamie Redknapp investigates. Thanks, Jamie. We'll take it from here. Join Jamie Redknapp for Jamie Investigates, the football mockumentary series, available to watch on Paddy Power's Twitter. This week, Jamie Investigates Half and Half Scarves. Do you know the truth? Paddy Power. 18plusbegambleaware.org on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic. This is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Bundesliga this weekend. Bayern maintained their six-point lead. They beat Hertha Berlin 4-1. Hertha, who prior to the game had had a visit from angry fans, irated them losing the first leg of their Pokal derby with high-flying Union 3-2. Second leg still to come, of course. Union, meantime, who we were talking about with Christoph Biermann last time out, have continued their excellent season by moving into the top four. They beat Borussia Mönchengladbach 2-1, while Dortmund won 3-2 at Hoffenheim. Hoffenheim, who were in fourth place, so Union have just leapfrogged them. That 3-2 win for Dortmund, by the way, featuring Erlen Haaland's 56th goal for the club in 57 games, but he then went off injured. Meanwhile, across the border in the Netherlands, something big was happening. Let's find out what 
with ESPN's Jordi Amali. Tadic en Blind, en dan loopt hij toch nog heel goed af voor Ajax. Kan dit uh, wat worden? Berghuis geeft de bal naar Masrowi met links. Schiet hem in de kruising. Oh, oh, oh. Masrowi met links. Jaagt hem in de winkelaak. En het is 1-2 voor Ajax. Oh, wat lekker van Noestahim Masrowi. Hi Jordi, thank you so much for joining us. No problem James, how are you? Very good, thank you, very good. Now, we, we were looking at the Eredivisie and wondering how good PSV Eindhoven must be, this was prior to this weekend, if they were ahead <laughs> of Ajax in the standings. Ajax, who everyone's been raving about as one of the best teams in, in Europe. Well, we have to put that in, in, in uh, the situation of Ajax because they're a bit two-faced this season. You have the, uh, the uh, European side who are you all watching in the Champions League, uh, winning every game there is. And then there's the Ajax in the Eredivisie, and they have it really uh, tough against the opponents that are uh, really defensive mentally and, and closed. So it's really difficult for them to, to put on the same game plan that they have shown to, on the European level. They met this weekend anyway, the top two, PSV and Ajax, in a game they called De Topper. Is that, is that how that's pronounced? Yeah, it's a bit, uh, for the last couple of years, uh, there's a much bigger uh, importance in this game, but they have no name for it. You have, of course, the, the clash between Ajax and Feyenoord, they call it the Klassieker, but this one doesn't really have a name, and that's why they just call it the topper, like uh, the best two teams uh, heading on each, to each other. Um, it was for the second time in a row, and it has to do with the stands being empty, a little bit of a snooze fest, uh, James, I have to mm. be honest. All right, yeah, not too much for game for, for for the neutrals, I guess. But it did it did feature a spectacular winner from Ajax to take them top of the table again. Yes, of course, and I, I think that maybe the uh, just look wise, the second one was more spectacular. But the first one was really <laughs> amazing too because Brian Broby, the newly uh, uh, returned centre forward, was already injured. Uh, but was still humping uh, through the uh, through the box when uh, Tuzan Tadic gave a, uh, a cross and he he put it yeah above uh, three defenders of PSV while being injured and after that goal he immediately got changed by the coach Erik Ten Hag so that was a, a special goal as well and there was a nice equalizer about uh, from Mario Götze the uh, German uh, world champion but with the last goal it was on, the only talk of the town was was the ball completely uh, over the sidelines or not. Because mm. before the goal went in, there was a dribble on the sideline from Daily Blind. And for the people who were watching through the television, everybody was certain that the ball was over the sidelines. But they didn't have a nice angle. And so the VR couldn't do anything because there was no picture to be sure that the ball was completely over the sidelines. So, yeah, PSV was really mad at that. Roger Smith, the German uh, uh, coach of PSV, uh, let him go a little bit against the fourth official telling him to just give the cup to Ajax <laughs> this, this today uh, yeah he didn't show his best side to the to the people okay there was little doubt about the way that uh, Masri finished the, the the move though absolutely lashed that in yeah there was no, no doubt about no, no doubt at all mm. uh, I must admit I'm going to hold my hands up and say I was shocked when I saw Mario Goethe equalising only the fifth goal that Ajax have conceded in the Eredivisie this season but I it really had passed me by that he was at at PSV. How, how did that move come about? 
Yeah, they surprised everybody. I think it was now uh, one and a half season ago. And then it, when there was no talk at all about it, then there came a, a big German car uh, uh, when the transfer, the journalists who were watching if there was somebody on the last day signing or not. And then inside that car came Mario Götze and he really enjoyed it in Eindhoven. So he uh, uh, extended his contract and he's, yeah, he's... It's not the same as we know from Dortmund, from back in the days, from his best days, but he's still, yeah, for the Eredivisie, he's an amazing player. Mm, of course, it's tougher in the Eredivisie, more physical, more demanding than the... Uh, yeah, the I don't think so. I think it has to do with the body of Mario Götz. <laughs> All right, fair enough, fair enough. All right, so Ajax have gone top then anyway, and uh, is that it? Or do you think PSV have still got something to say in this title race? Well, they're, they're still in it. It's it's only two points and it's, yeah, for Ajax, it's just, uh, I think it's a really stressful job for Eric Tenach to see them overachieve time and time again in the in the European games. And yeah, when they get VVV Fenlo at home or uh, Vitesse uh, away, they just struggle to, to get, a, get, a, uh, get a goal. So I think it's not over yet, but however, in the end, I think Ajax will, will uh, end on top. Do you think Ajax is... Focus might when the Champions League returns. They've got Benfica uh, coming up in the in the last sixteen. Do you think their focus will be more on that than it will be the Eredivisie? The the coach is 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 a guy who uh, will tell the players all week long that the focus should be on the Eredivisie because it's going really uh, not so great in in the competition. But mm. the players themselves and it shows with like uh, the likes of Anthony and Berghuis. They show they show it just a lot more, more in Europe. It's, it's, it's just that way. All right. Magnificent. Well, that game coming up in a couple of weeks' time, actually about three weeks' time. So, Yuri, let me, we'll catch up with you before that and see how, how things are going before their clash with uh, Benfica. But many thanks for joining us today. Thanks. Have a great show. We're all driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. According to their own survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Remember the last time you were hiring and how slow and overwhelming it was? Well, you don't need to go through all that again. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent. And because you listen to The Totally Football Show, Indeed is going to give you a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash totally. That's I-N-D-E-E-D.com slash totally. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed at Indeed.com. You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. And with Paddy Power, if something doesn't go quite to plan, you can get your money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. Which will come in handy when Mikel Arteta finally bends the process altogether. Pre-match bet builders only get your stake back as a free bet. Minimum four plus legs. Maximum free bet is £10. Other T's and C's apply. And please, gamble responsibly. Dumfries, who goes to the fond. Dumfries goes to the fond. The ball is in the center. The ball is in the center. City A, round 23 of this season. Sees Inter still top. Their lead is now four points, though, over Napoli, who have moved into second place ahead of Milan. 
who, as James was mentioning, had a pretty dull nil-nil draw Sunday night with Juventus. Juventus remained just outside the top four, a couple of points behind, well, actually, I think a point behind Atalanta. That's all well and good, James. How about we just bin that and talk about Spezia instead? What do you think? <laughs> yeah, Candy Spezia have, uh, in the last, what, five games, uh, the only teams that have done better than them are Inter and Juventus in terms of points, mm. which is a bit of a surprise because um, Spezia have been down uh, in the relegation battle, just hovering above uh, the drop zone, but they've uh, they've really pulled away. They beat Napoli um, before Christmas. They then uh, beat Genoa in the Liguria derby, the first of a couple um, that they were to have. And then they beat Milan kind of got on a Monday. bit lucky. Mm-hmm. They got yeah. lucky against, uh, against Milan with... Uh, Milan in stoppage time having what would have been a winning goal uh, ruled out because the referee did decide not to play advantage and then broke down in tears at, at full time and apologised to Zlatan Ibrahimovic who gave him a big hug um, because when he disallowed that goal Spezia went up the other, other end and got a winner of themselves and uh, and then they, they beat Sampdoria uh, this weekend uh, another one of their uh, local uh, rivals and have what, moved all the way up into 14th. Um, 14th so place. Considering that uh, Tiago Motta was under pressure before Christmas and they were saying that um, Marco Giampaolo uh, was going to come in and replace him. Well, Giampaolo actually came in and replaced Roberto De Vesa at Sampdoria. It was his first game this weekend. He lost to Tiago Motta. Um, and, and this is a Spezia side that is operating under a transfer ban at the moment, which they are fighting, but they can't do any business in January. So um, it seemed like they had more... Uh, against them than, let's say, some of the newly promoted clubs and some of the other strugglers mm. uh, down the bottom. And uh, instead, they've they've been stronger and bigger um, than the things that have, uh, than adversity. So, mm. yeah, we'll have to see how long it lasts. All right. As you mentioned, the man who had been due to replace Thiago Motta, who I must admit, I'm surprised, I never had him down. You know, there are certain players that you think, oh, they'll be a manager. Thiago Motta n- never had him down as being... Oh, no, I disagree with you. Oh, Really? What? Yeah, he was yeah. doing this like Pep Guardiola position, same style, same, okay, right. more vice. But apart from that, the brain, right. the intelligence, I okay. always thought he would become. And Did wasn't you? he wasn't he top of his of his year at Kovacan? Yeah, yeah, or second behind Pirlo or something like that. And also, uh, when Inter really went off the rails, I mean, uh, yeah, when they won the treble, they were already sort of it was an aging team and that sort of thing. But the decline really accelerated when Thiago Motta went to Paris Saint-Germain mm. in what January of uh, 2011, 12, something like that. Yeah. It was good for a couple of years there. Eh? Oh yeah, I mean in in, in Italy from Genoa Inter he was fantastic, and then at PSG with yeah, Verratti and well. Matuidi, PSG as well, yeah. Yeah. what a midfield. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Do you remember we got when he got hit hit in the face? He had his nose broken, didn't he? At half time in the in the tunnel. We're talking PSG Marseille? No, wasn't it Brandao? Yeah. Brandao broke Bro- his nose. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he ran up and broke I saw his that. nose. I didn't know if you meant in Italy Monta. that he had similar... No, no, Let me double check, but I'm PSG. sure it's Brandao, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Brutal I scenes. Know. Anyway, so there he was. He came in for the highly rated Italiano at the, uh, back in the summer. Spezia, and I think, as you say, James, many people would have thought they were almost the likeliest to, to go down. But instead, and, and they hadn't had the greatest of starts to the extent that the club wanted to get rid of him. 
Giampaolo didn't accept. So what was it? Giampaolo wouldn't accept the job. So Motta, they were forced to keep Motta on. Result is Motta's gone on a brilliant run. Giampaolo joins Sampdoria instead and gets beaten this weekend in the derby. Brilliant stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, if we look at precedents here, I mean, this this feels oddly similar to what happened at Samp, uh, where, where um, the owner was sort of in talks with Dejan Stankovic, and then they only got arrested uh, at those talks and. The then manager of Sampdoria got to stay on and won the derby, Roberto De Verso, and, and won I think three or four games, and hmm. uh, and then you know uh, more recently has just been been fired. But uh, no, I mean I think the, the club are happy with with Thiago. I think uh, the, the issue has been maybe um, some friction with some of the players um, and the sporting director as well. There was a talk of being adult yeah. Player. Although the, the sporting director was the one. Uh, who hired him again, Riccardo Piccini, someone who in the past worked under Dem- Demi Camoli at Spurs, um, was at Sampdoria, was their sporting director as well. Um, but uh, I-, I think the other thing with with with, with Spezia is that you know, Italiano signed a new deal at the end of last season after keeping them up. Uh, and then, so he said, I'm, I'm committed, I'm staying. And that was great because mm. we, we all think of him as one of the great up-and-coming coaches in Italian football. And then, Gattuso and, and Fiorentina fell out before they'd even signed any any contracts, and um, and Fiorentina came and bought Italiano out of his contract, and that left Spezia um, not reeling. But they had to act very quickly. They hired Motta uh, last year. They had tens of players on loan, loads of free transfers. So they they they, they acquired twenty three players uh, this summer. So a huge churn. Um, so again, a, a lot of people were kind of wondering what you were going to get with Spezia this year. And what you've got is a team that's one point better off than it was last year, and it's in 14th mm. in the table. So there you go. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Spezia, who are uh, just down the road, just down the Ligurian coastline from Genoa, where Sampdoria reside, as do Genoa, who also changed manager. We mentioned last week with Andrei Shevchenko basically making way and very interesting choice by Genoa for their uh, their new boss a fellow called Alexander Blessin don't know are you familiar Alvaro Julian with Alexander Blessin he was in Belgium yeah the, yeah you, great yeah, you I was are. last year yeah, was so, manager of the year last season there you go there you go well yeah he did really well. not so much this year but last season did really really well I mean he, I think they sold a lot of the He's good players. Mm. But I think I, I watched that game for BT Sport. I was on the score on Saturday. Oh, I, the Udinese I have to be honest. Again. Yeah, mm. I would not have watched Genoa Udinese on a normal Saturday afternoon. Uh, <laughs> I mean, in the sense that they were other games more or less at the same time. But right. I was really impressed the first hour, especially. I thought they played re- well with intensity. They should have been 2-0 up. All right. James, you spent, you volunteered, you voluntarily. Yeah, that's, but that's his watched. job, to be fair. You know, wow. It is my <laughs> job. But no, I, you know, I mean... Look, General got taken over in October, mm. um, and yeah, it's a complicated club to take over, given that they've been run by Preziosi, one of the most unpopular owners uh, that has been for for some time in Serie A. And you know, they decided to change the manager from the guy who always keeps General up, Davide Balladini, mm. as, a, as a caretaker. Brought in Shevchenko before they'd uh, appointed a sporting director. Sacked Shevchenko after nine games. Sporting director finally gets to choose who he wants to bring in. And, you know, again, it's just like how many uh, disciples of Ralph Raniuk are there? How many Mm. footballing sons has Ralph Raniuk had? I mean, he's fathered more than anybody. I mean, you know, the the sporting director worked under him at Hoffenheim. Uh, The Blessing worked under him at RB Leipzig. Basically, Blessing's... 
a career as a footballer player at Stuttgart was cut short by a knee injury. I mean, this sounds like very Thomas Tuchel and Nagelsmann all over again. And then, then he got a call from Ralph, which changed everything. And so now you've got this alignment, I suppose, between sporting director and coach at Genoa. And as Jules said, they played, they played actually very well, I thought. Hmm. Um, same result as Shevchenko and Baladini was getting. They're winless in 19 games, but... Uh, much better, much improved performance. Yeah, 20 games now, actually, 20 games. The uh, the Ralph Rangnick football family, always expanding, of course. Barely a week goes by without some <laughs> young footballing mind getting sucked into that particular <laughs> network. Look out, it could happen to you. All right, big result this weekend for Roma. They beat Empoli 4-2 away at the Castellani. A brace for Tammy Abraham. Why was that significant, James? It was significant because first English player to score uh, more than 10 goals in Serie A since a certain David Platt in 1991-1992. So congratulations, Platt, yes. Congratulations for, for Tammy, uh, to, for overtaking Platty. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, he's been scoring regularly. I mean, he was unlucky at the start of the season, hit the woodwork a lot, had some goals disallowed. I suppose he was still figuring out who his teammate, who his strike partner was going to be. Was it Shomurodov? Was it Zaniolo, who's finally hitting form again? Um, and, you know, Roma, uh, since losing uh, against Juventus when they were 3 1 up, uh, kind of collapsing, have, have bounced back from that. You would have thought they would bounce back against teams like Cagliari, battling relegation. Empoli, 120 minutes in the Coppa Italia against Stinto in midweek and without several key players. Um, but Sergio Oliveira has been a very good signing for them, um, at least superficially, judging him on two games where he scored the winner against Cagliari from the penalty spot and was where he scored again this time and was involved in their first two goals. So, you know, good bit of loan signing from Thiago Pinto, Jose Mourinho and, uh, and co. So hmm. we'll have to see whether... Roma can keep gathering this momentum, but uh, I think Champions League is still is still uh, a bridge too far for them. Well, we'll see. Of course, no league football in Serie A next weekend or anywhere in Europe because of the uh, international break. Italy, Roberto Mancini, taking advantage of the pause to have a little mini training camp with the Azzurri because, of course, they have got a massive game on the horizon. The World Cup qualifier that they'll be having against North Macedonia. Mancini on Tuesday will be dropping a list of the players invited for this stage, about 35, 36 or so, and this is probably the most exciting thing of this entire show, listener. Who's in that list, we think? Balotelli. Super Mario. Super Mario. Super Mario <laughs> Balotelli, wow. He hasn't featured for Italy since Mancini's first two games back in 2018. Scored in one of them against mighty Saudi Arabia. Prior to that, he hadn't featured for Italy for four years. Mancini had brought him back in after the debacle in 2014. So it's quite a bold call, this one. As you're probably aware, listener, Balotelli is currently playing his football out on the kind of Turkish-Syrian border for Adana Deliaspor. Have I said that right? Deliaspor. Yeah. He's doing all right, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's a bold yeah, call. Brit Asombalonga uh, with Gokan Inla, Stambouli. Yeah, a few friends. Um, it's it's uh, a, yeah, Belhanda. So it's yeah, it's yeah. it's a real kind of um, uh, it's just peak Turkish Super League, I must say. It's, <laughs> it's brilliant. Extraordinary though. He's got nine goals, doesn't he? Nine goals in the league already. 
for the first already. half of the season. Yeah. I mean, in about 23 I mean, goals, of, it's, it's not exactly Erling Haaland. But, uh, anyway, it's the first half of the season. If he does as, as many, if he scores as many in the second half of the season, he would down to 18. It's pretty good in the league. Yeah, that, that makes sense. But um, OK, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, there are some bright young prospects going through. Italy having a bit of an issue in terms of converting chances. That's why they're in the World Cup qualifier in the, the first place. There are players who are coming through like Scamacca and Raspadori and, and some other some other names who, who, who could maybe do a job. But I mean, it's a stage. It's not, it's not a, a match squad. So he's free to call up whoever he likes. There is also a lot of suggestion that João Pedro, the uh, Brazilian at, at Calorie, will be in that list as well. João Pedro, uh, yeah, I mean, the uh, the most prolific Brazilian working in Europe's top five leagues over the last two seasons. Mm. Uh, he's scored more goals than Neymar, Roberto Firmino, and yet he's still playing for Calgary down at the bottom of Serie A um, and still missing penalties, which is what he did, which is why he's exactly what Italy need because that's, that's what Jorginho needs, yeah. did in the Switzerland games and it's why they're in the World Cup playoffs. But that's, right. that's me being facetious. Uh, João Pedro deserves an international call-up um, so, um, I mean, what a get together this is going to be. <laughs> I mean, I mean, do you remember that get together they had on Italian TV before the Euros yeah. where they were playing sort of tennis with frying pans and they were having sing-alongs? I mean, this one, I mean, I would be, I would, I'd get the cameras back into cover channel for this and, and broadcast it out. Netflix special, one off, boom, mm. let's have it. All right. Italy, all or nothing. Excellent. Well. Looking forward to hearing all the details on that. Let's finish off today, James, with some especially red-hot transfer talk. First off, <laughs> right, okay. First off, are Aston Villa going to sign Rodrigo Betancourt? Ooh. Uh, they would like to. Um, he was watched on uh, on Sunday night um, uh, against AC Milan. He's one of Juventus' better performers. But uh, look. Uh, there are problems um, uh, about getting this deal done. A, it's not, in, it's not Juventus' intention to sell the player, um, and that's fairly significant. Uh, B, uh, were they to sell the player, it would have to be for a very big price because he's got a 50% sell-on clause um, to Boca Juniors in his contract, and whilst Juventus has been kind of negotiating to chip away at that, the buyout percentage still has to get to a sufficiently low point whereby it makes doing a deal worthwhile. And then the other thing to consider uh, is that uh, of all the midfield players that Max Allegri likes at Juventus, right, and of all the Juventus fans who say, you know, we need ball players, creators, skillful players, where do you think Bentancur ranks? He's very much on the Allegri kind of, we don't care if he can pass the ball. Can he run? Can he tackle? Can he press? That's the kind of that's the kind of midfielder I want in my Artur. He can go to Arsenal as far right. as, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, Allegri, of course, didn't say that, um, but uh, I would say there are, there are there are some significant barriers um, to this this transfer happening at what is already a very late uh, juncture. But uh, never mm. say never, James. Anything else transfer wise? Yeah, only one. Um... I didn't say that when we were talking about Teredivisie, but uh, Nico Tagliafico mm. is not far from uh, leaving Ajax. And Barcelona is one of the most interested clubs in getting him. Very good. Yeah. His name is great translation in, in, in Italian, James, is it? What? Cut the Cuts fig. Figs. Cut mm. the fig. <laughs> yep. Nice. Yeah. Taglia la tela. Cut the, cut the net. Cut the, yep. the veil. Yeah. 
Yeah, some great, uh, some great surnames in in Italy. (laughs) 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 Anyway, (laughs) so um, that's it for today's Totally Football Show European Edition, and it's been a sizzler. Uh, we won't be here next Tuesday because the leagues are all having the weekend off. But there's the regular Monday show, of course. Keeping you up to date with everything you need to know. And we'll be back with Alvaro James and Julianne in a fortnight's time. Many, many thanks, guys, for today. Many thanks to you, listener, for being with us. Producer Charlie for putting it all together. From all of us here, until next time, it's goodbye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on The Athletic app and discover bonus content by following The Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an athletic media company production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic.